Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. What's going on, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Now let's meet our guests for today. First, we got Brian. What's up? And then we got George. What's up, guys? Great to have you guys here. So let's kick off today's episode, and let's talk about this most recent game for the Heat, which was when he went and faced the L.A. Lakers. Now, although the Heat only won by six, we're just simply going to focus on the fact that the Heat dominated for, like, most of this game, allowing them to improve their record to 30-17 and while currently being first in the East. Leading the way for Miami, you got Jimmy Butler with 20 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, and two steals. This gave Jimmy his 10th Miami Heat triple-double, giving him the record for most triple-doubles in Heat history. What made it more interesting was the fact that he accomplished this against the former record holder in LeBron. To add on, you then have Duncan Robinson with 25 points and six threes, along with five rebounds and two steals. Caleb Martin with 15 points and the game ceiling dunk at the end. Bam Adebayo with 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists. Gabe Vincent with 11 points, 6 assists, and 2 steals. With that being said, how do you guys feel after watching the Heat take care of business against the Lakers? Kick us off, George. Yeah, no, I'm also so happy watching that game. I watched um, in anticipation because I knew that from the last time. Watching all those Lakers fans talk their, their their stuff, it was it was hard to sit there and bear through it. But I knew that we walking into this game, we were definitely a better team. We were more informed. They've got their own, you know, massive problems over in LA. But I felt confident walking into the game, and, and as we should have, we were dominating for most of the game. We let to come back with a, a run at the end, but it was never in doubt, in my opinion. Jimmy Jimmy just took over the game and looked. Just phenomenal. Duncan is back, was back to his old ways. You know, finally did in, in, in a home game, shot 55-73 as well. It's exactly what we need from him. So, you know, in a night where Bam wasn't looking for a shot most most of the night, um, which is still really concerning because even before the injury, he was doing the same thing, not looking for a shot. But when you got a guy like Duncan, it was, it was popping off. He was, you know, I was really happy with that. Caleb Martin also showed why he deserves a contract. He's just been absolutely phenomenal as well. Shot two threes, made them both. Just was was great for us. Max Struess contributed um, really well. Vincent did the same. Tucker was even good. But the defense was amazing. We were just clowning them for, <laughs> for 38 minutes probably. We were just clowning them. And it was hilarious to see. Um, LeBron did his own thing. He was amazing. But the rest of the team is... It's got their own problems as well. There's just no no cohesion there. But watching our team be fully healthy, mostly fully healthy, um, really did you know make me happy and and gave me more hope for the future. For when Oladipo comes back as well, having another added layer of depth. But 
no, we, we, we played well. We deserved to win. And that's exactly what we did. Right. How about you, Brian? Uh, yeah, it was a team victory. I mean, you had five guys in double figures, three guys who were only a point or two away from it. And you can see how much the Heat really focused on their passing and playing team ball um, from the jump, essentially. Um, I thought that they, that they did a really good job of forcing the Lakers to take a ton of threes, which they aren't very good at. Um, and it was just overall a really dominant win. I mean, the fact of the matter is the Lakers are a very, I don't want to say they're not horrible. They're, they're mediocre at best, right? So this was a game that he absolutely should have won. And it was good to see them playing good team ball to do that. Like, no one guy was particularly dominant, but that's okay because this team isn't built on, you know, one guy going out and getting you 40 to win a game. It, it, it's this team functions at its best when everybody is flowing. And that's exactly the type of game that we got. Right. And George, do you want to add on? Yeah, no, it's, they're definitely a mediocre team when you're looking at the middle, middle of the road and everything, but they, um, They've got some outstanding factors as well. They're, they're seventh in points, seventh in steals and blocks. So I feel like the whole narrative and they're not being, you know, an amazing defensive team. They're still viable, but it's the cohesion there that that really was lacking and was showing they were lacking as well. But, you know, of course, you're going to see, you see fans yelling, crying refs, crying this and that. It was never fair, blah, 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 which is a joke at the end of the day. I think it's just, it's just crazy to even believe that, but, Having, you know, having the performance that we did where Jimmy actually came out to be a facilitator since um, Larry's still out with personal reasons. Now, shout out to Larry, I believe he's okay. But having Jimmy be there and facilitate on such a high level for us is such a added bonus. And also him putting up 20 points is 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 just perfect. But I, I would like to see this team... Um, you know, show this performance against other teams as well, teams that are, you know, higher in their conference as well. But I, I'm, you know, more than more than happy with the performance. We've done it already against all the best teams as well. So we're the one seed for a reason. That's our place to lose now. And hopefully the victory just keep, keep on coming. Right. And Brian, would you like to add on more to this? Uh, no, I don't really have anything to add. All right. So with that being said, I know you actually brought up something good, George, in talking about that one seed. And that's what I want to talk about now, because, you know, like when you look at it, the Heat managed to dangerously loom their way into that first seed. And, you know, it's like seeing the way how the Heat had to overcome so much just to get to this point. Like, how do you guys feel about Miami being in this position right now? Start us off, Brian. It's amazing. I mean, it's not from the perspective that the Heat couldn't have been one of the best teams in the East. Like, we, I think coming into the season, you know, you look at the roster and, you know, you knew that they were going to be one of the better teams. But I think that given how much time Jimmy has missed, how much time Bam has missed, um, to see other guys really, really step up in their absence, I, I think it speaks to that. It speaks to the fact that, you know, guys like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin – and even P.J. Tucker um, have all played better than I think many of us thought that they would going into this season. Um, it speaks to the improvement of Tyler Hero. It speaks to, you know, just how good Kyle Lowry still is. Um, kind of So kind of like how I mentioned in the last uh, segment, 
this is a real team. Like it, 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 the strength of this team is built on everybody's contributions. Um, and that's, I think, what allows them to survive these absences with, you know, whoever's out, it doesn't matter whether it's Kyle or Tyler or Jimmy or Bam, you know, this team can still bounce back and win games. And I think that that's an important thing going forward. And it's needed in the playoffs. You know, if you have a game where Jimmy or Bam doesn't have it, you need someone else that can step up. And this team definitely is built to do that. Now, I, I know that a lot of people are going to say that it's weird because basically no team has been healthy this first half of the year. And I think that there's merit to that. Um, you know, this whole this whole COVID thing, you know, whether it's COVID or injuries, you know, everyone's kind of playing with this mix mash. But even regardless of that, in the chaos, the Heat still have found a way to thrive. And I think that that's an added layer of, you know, what makes this run so impressive is the fact that, yeah, I mean, everybody has been dealing with, with stuff, but it says a lot if you don't crumble in the face of that and the Heat haven't, you know, they've found a way to be consistent. And that's not just uh, to speak with the players, but we got to give Eric Spolstra some credit because I don't know in fact, I'm I'm pretty sure that you give this roster with all the injuries and the COVID stuff to almost any other coach, and they're nowhere near as successful. So it really is impressive. Ray, how do you feel, George? Yeah, the fact that we've done it with no, you know, with no consistency in, in team health is um is nothing short of a miracle, to be honest. When you look at our ranking, um, you know, we, we might be the first seed, but there's been a lot of situations, obviously, due to injuries and things like that, um, where we can still improve to an unbelievable level, which is such an exciting um, prospect. But when you look at it as it stands, we're 28th in field goals attempted. Um, we're 23rd in two points attempted. So basically, we're taking a lot more threes. We're 14th in middle of the road in three points attempted. Uh, 30th in blocks. Because Ben's been out, which has been not that great, but we're going to do. We have twenty fourth in fouls, which is not a not a good thing. But the fact that we've done, we've got all this with so much to improve on, and be the first seed is is a blessing because you know pe- te- teams will have to respect the fact that you know we haven't been healthy and we've still been winning, which is a great prospect. But yet the media will never ever admit it, which is actually exactly how I like it to be, because. You know, more eyes off you, more time in the gym, more time actually focusing on the game of basketball, which is really important for us. But, you know, we're getting better. Every single week we're getting better. We're proving why we're not just dangerous loomers and we're not just <laughs> looming there dangerously. But no, it's it's just a time for us to be really happy and to, to you know, show off the fruits of our labor because being the one seed at any capacity is extremely difficult. But to do it, on this consistent of a basis, um, night in, night out with guys that we, we didn't even think we were going to be in the rotation by the end of it. Like the players like Max Struess, where we were hoping he'd make a jump, and he did, thank God. Same with Gabe Vincent. Um, Duncan struggled, but at the end of the day, he still has these games where you, he, like he proves why he deserved that contract that he got. But we've got to keep in mind that there's only – Two games, two and a half games separating first from two uh, from from um from sixth, as well. So keep up the pressure, keep up the good work, and we should be fine. Right, and Brian, do you want to add on to this? Oh, I agree with everything George said. Right, like you know, when you look at this Miami Heat team, I mean, 
know, and you guys summed it up great. Like to have had the injuries, you know, to have had Bam to miss four to six weeks, you know, the fact that Victor Oladipo isn't even back yet. Like I'm still hyped up, you know, as this pod is being recorded, you know, we've seen the videos of today of Victor working out and everything. And it's so crazy because, you know, he hasn't come back yet. And it's like, we're going to really see Victor added to this Heat team that's currently number one in the East. And it's funny that nobody wants to talk about this. But then again, this is the Miami Heat. And we know how the national media feels about us. So who cares at this point? You know, but overall, I'm just excited to see what this Heat team does next. And, you know, we really have a good team, which is why I'm now a little intrigued by something that I heard yesterday. And I want to make this a discussion for today. And that's none other than the recent news about uh, Christian Wood of the Houston Rockets. So for those who missed it, Kelly Eco from The Athletic reported that Miami has been one of the more persistent teams in the pursuit for Christian Wood. Now, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say that I was surprised to hear this. And because of this, I want to ask you guys if you personally want Christian Wood on this team. And even if you feel that he's not what this team needs, like, do you have any reason in mind for why the Heat have interest in him? Uh, This time you can start us off, George. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very interesting prospect. Of having another power forward on the team, I'm I'm a big fan of the move, but I'm not a fan of disrupting team chemistry. As we're sitting down as well, there's reports John Wall has been working in working out in Miami, away from the Houston Rockets, but isn't interested in losing money in a buyout. So he shouldn't be in in Miami expecting anything but good weather. So you know we're going to be. It's inevitable that any team is going to be, you know, extremely talked about in the media about you know talking about who's going to go there, like there's potential moves, players that we're interested in. We're always going to be interested in looking at players. That's just what Pat Riley does in our front office is paid to do, is to keep tabs on players. Now, is there anything more than a in a, a cash grab by these places? It's, it, it, you know, it's, I don't think there is. I don't think there's any of these trades will come to fr- uh, fruition. You know, being the one seed and not being healthy just shows that we've got an extremely deep team that's built well, built on great coaching. Even LeBron James said it as well. Um, you know, it, there's there's nothing that this team needs to do at the moment unless some godfather offer comes where the, someone comes, you know, the Utah Jazz looking to blow it up and it's going to sell Oladipo. It's um, uh, Donovan Mitchell for, they're going to want Hero in a, in a first or something like that. Then obviously you're pulling the, the pin on the trade. But besides that, I don't think anything's going to happen. The, the team's in a weird salary cap position as well where they can't really afford to, you know, exceed anything because we're looking towards, um, you know, actually having to pay a lot of players in the incoming future. So bringing on any big contracts without shedding big contracts is is, is very rough because all that money's tied up in Lowry, Butler and um, and Bam, really. Duncan is a, is a movable contract. I don't really count him on the cap. Um, but those three players account for nearly 90 million of what we've got to spend. So and, and in two years' time, we're spending fifty-two million on Jimmy. So it's a game of chess, not checkers. So we've got to be um be patient, you know, enjoy the fact that you know the these places get the most money out of talking about the Miami Heat. We all love seeing Miami, you know, pop up from NBA Central and ESPN 
We'd love to see it, but I don't think any of these trades will come. The fit, on the other hand, is quite good. I would do it. I would personally do a um, Christian Wood trade if the price was right. But I am also looking towards the future for our money as well. So unless you're shedding Duncan's contract in that trade, I, I, I wouldn't consider it. Right. And how about you, Brian? Uh, yeah, I don't know how much I even believe the Christian Wood trade is a thing. Uh, to me, it kind of sounds like the Houston Rockets putting that out there to increase the value of Christian Wood because if they say, you know, if they're telling teams, oh, hey, Miami's interested, um, you know, teams look, are going to look at, A, the Miami Heat and the number one seed and be like, ah, well, I guess we got to give more than whatever Miami is giving. So it, it's it's more of that, I feel like. Um because usually stuff doesn't leak from Miami, especially not a few weeks from the trade deadline. Uh, we would have heard about something from the local guys first. And I just don't think it entirely makes sense right now. Like, I don't know what you're trading for Christian Wood. I guess it'd have to be Duncan Robinson and some other thing of value. But that seems weird to do when you're, you haven't gotten, you know, all four of your top guys playing together consistently yet. Duncan Robinson kind of come on a little bit. Um, it just, it just doesn't make a ton of sense from that perspective. But I did want to go back to something about the media because I think that a lot of Heat fans, rightfully so, are, are frustrated with the lack of national conversation. Um, and I understand it. Like, I understand the hit of dopamine that comes every time you see the Heat on a first take segment or on some popular Twitter account or, you know, there's a national article. And it, it, it's absolutely deserved. Like, I think that the Heat have obviously been one of the best teams in the league and they deserve that recognition. But I think we also have to take a step back and realize market size, right? Like everyone's like, you know, the Heat beat the Lakers recently, destroyed them outside of that last quarter. And all ESPN wants to do is talk about LeBron James. Well, the fact is LA has three, almost 4 million people. The city of Miami has 450,000. So even if, you put out an article that was read by all the people in Miami. Let's just, let's just assume that everybody in Miami is a Miami fan. If you put out an article or do a segment that's watched by, that's watched or read by every single person in Miami, you only need 15% of everybody in LA to match that. Right. So it, it really just is a matter of clicks and views because that, that translates directly into money. Um, not really a merit based thing, unfortunately. So Again, I get it, but it's just some of these cities are so big, man. I think that we forget about that. We forget that cities like L.A. and Chicago and Philly have massive populations and media markets. And again, that that stuff or both of those factors, uh, you know, give life to an article or or a TV segment that is going to put money in the pockets of those that create them. So that's what it comes down to. I hope that as fans, we don't get too offended by it. Uh, if Miami was a massive city like LA or New York or, you know, one of these other really big places, Philadelphia, they would be getting the same coverage, but they don't, unfortunately. So the local guys do it better. Anyway, that's ultimately, you, you don't want to hear Steve and I talking about the Miami heat. You want to hear, you know, like five reasons talk about the Miami heat. So it is what it is. Right. And like, I agree with you and George, I'll let you add real quick. Um, But before I do, like, 
you know, when sometimes when the Heat are brought up by national media people, I feel like we sense that sometimes they don't really know exactly what they're talking about. And that's, you know, where the point comes in of what you said, Brian, you know, like to hear the guys here at Five Reasons or wherever here in the local media talk about the Heat, you just feel more comfortable with it because you know these guys know what they're talking about. And, you know, you really can't say that with the national media. Like we've had a good team and like, you know, we've had we had we have a lot of useful pieces, but we don't know exactly who from the national media exactly pays attention to it. And that's why sometimes I get surprised when the he are being talked about in the national media, that some of these people know who Max Bruce is and all these other guys. But um, aside from that, George, you want to add something? Yeah, I just want to put out there that if I if you know, if I had a, a penny for every time I heard a story about Bradley Bill or Damian Lillard being loyal to their franchise or Ben, Sim- uh, ben Simmons update or something like that. We'd have enough money to pay out the entire of, of Duncan's contract. But the reason why the media turns a blind eye to Miami as a whole is, is for two reasons, you know, and it's evident in the fact that even, you know, we, we knew everything about Omi at seven, even before we started the game in the NBA, we'll be talking about him since, since the G league before the G league, you know what I mean? We, we, we've known about him. But Shaq, <laughs> Shaq, see, he's he got his record broken by, by so matched by Omiya, and he still didn't know anything about him. He only knew something about him from the game that he went to in Miami. So it's it's not surprising because number one, what Brian and you guys have been saying, um, with the you know the money that for clicks for for teams like LA are just way bigger than we could ever imagine in Miami, and and, and tabloids know that you know the media knows that. That's why they do what they do. But also the fact that they like to have an underdog story. They love to have a team that comes out of nowhere to really sweep everyone off their feet. You know, they had it last year with Atlanta and Phoenix. They were really both taking massive strides. They remember they weren't even talking about Milwaukee that much. They were talking more about Phoenix than, in, than anything. But uh, I, I think that when you've got a team like us, which has been under the radar for so many years and they, they overperform. It's just such a better story for them to write about when it comes to playoff time. Um, when it comes down to playoff time to have that team that comes in and does what they do. And then they talk about it then, but until then we've got, you know, our team to worry about our teams, just worry about focus on basketball. That's what we should be focused on as well. Right. And, you know, it, it honestly doesn't matter at this point, because what's important is that we know this team is good and like we know what this team is capable of doing. And, you know, it's funny because I remember I saw on Twitter, you know, someone brought up how, you know, ESPN wanted to show the highlight of Jimmy missing that um, layup in the Hawks game, you know, late in that one a few nights ago and someone brought up the good point how they never want to acknowledge how this team would bowl out even without our star players but when something like that takes place they feel the need to post the ASAP and that just goes to show how really how much the national media honestly cares about the heat it's pathetic but at this point it is what it is and as you mentioned Brian like you know, obviously Miami is not like California and all those other places. So, you know, they want to get their clicks and, you know, can you blame them? I guess from their perspective, not really, you know, but it is frustrating though. So 
with that being said, let's go to a lighter note. And it's time for the segment that y'all know and love. And that's none other than the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. After seeing the way the Heat have played going 2-1 this past week, we want to know who deserves to be the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. So tell us who your pick is, Brian. Jimmy Buckets, because he's the best player on the team. Uh, yeah, triple-double versus the Lakers. He's, he should be in the MVP conversation. If he had played more games, I really think he would be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always going to go with the best player on the squad, so Jimmy Butler. Right. How about you, George? For me, it's um, it's Bam. Bam coming back to us was probably the biggest hit of adrenaline I've ever had since that one time as a kid. We have something called whiz down here, which is like just powdered sugar, and you used to just get it all in a bowl and just like suck it through a straw. And that's the first time I felt that rush since, you know, since I was a kid, just watching him play, watching him do what he does is nothing short of phenomenal. And anyone wants to call him a system player is ridiculous on every, on every level, on every single level. I only give him player of the week because of what he did against, um, I think it was a Portland the other day where he, took over the game at the end of the game and absolutely locked them down for for the five four minutes of just the most amazing defensive basketball I think I've seen this this heat team play since he's been out. I'm I'm not shocked by it because you know he's he's our cornerstone player, him and Tyler are the future of this organization as it stands. And I I, I couldn't be happier with his return. I would love to see him get way more aggressive going towards the basket because, you know, he only takes 13 shots a game. Now, it might sound like a lot. It's absolutely not. For the, for the starting center who's playing 33 minutes a night, I want to see him closer to, um, you know, to, to even Butler's numbers, which is 15. He should be taking anywhere between 15 and 20 shots a night, getting his looks, getting himself open. You know, his mid-range is looking, he's looking good again. I'm really happy to see it happen. But... Now, the block on LeBron and the defensive stretch down the end of the game was just incredible for me. That's why he's my heat player of the week. Right. And for me, you know, for my spotlight heat player of the week, y'all know I like to go a different route with it. So for this week, I'm going to say Caleb Martin. And the reason why is because he actually had a pretty good week. You know, to start it off, he had the 26-point game against Portland. Then he had 11 in Atlanta, followed by the 15-point game against the Lakers. And he capped that game off with the game-winning dunk. Or was it a layup? I'm not sure. But, you know, he helped seal that game up for the Heat. Now, I just love the dude's hustle. And I'm just forever going to be grateful and just going to forever thank Pat Riley that not only did he sign this dude, but he signed this dude on a two-way contract. Like, it's freaking amazing. And now you hear about people talking about Oh, you know, they want to give um, Caleb Martin, oh, a $10 million a year type contract and stuff. And, you know, while we don't know exactly how that is going to take, how that will work come um, free agency time, for now, I just want to focus on the fact that Miami really did it again. You know, they continue to find these players and it's freaking amazing. So, you know what? I'm going to open the floor to you guys to this. And I don't want to take too long to discuss this because we do need to talk about this Knicks game. 
And I want to, like, it's been something that was all over Twitter the other night. And I know, George, you brought up the idea about talking about this. So I'll let y'all steer the combo for this one. And that's none other than, and before we say anything, just so you guys know, yes, we know Bradley Beal will more than likely never get traded. So don't think that we're just sitting here trying to hype up something that will never happen. You know, it's all just hypotheticals at this point. Um, and that's none other than the idea of trading Bradley Beal to Miami for Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and P.J. Tucker. A whole debate stirred from this last night. So, um, you know what? Take the floor, George. Tell us what you think about it. And then, Brian, you can go up next. Because really, I don't really care about this type of stuff. But go ahead. Yeah, no, shout out to Ariel for, for giving us fruit for conversation here. Um, if you want to go follow him, it's um, it's at Ariel at Adius number two. So it's it's a trade that really caught my eye because most of Heat Twitter was on board with it. I take a completely different approach to it. I would never, ever in a million years um, take this trade only because Tyler here is showing us glimpses of having that first option scorer come out of him. He won't be the sixth man forever. Um, he knows he doesn't want to be the six man forever. And I, I feel like if he was getting proper minutes um, with the proper looks, he'd be averaging the exact same as Beal is. He's only three points behind him now, um, which is incredible to me to, to, to see. But I'm I'm not doing this trade for two reasons. Number one, um, Tyler's just looking way too good. Number two, PJ Tucker is our only power forward and is an absolute defensive anchor. Something that we've been... You know, we, we haven't really looked at defense as being the problem over the years, but having him just shows why it's so important to have multiple guys that can get you stops. Also, he's leading the th- leading the league in three-point percentage and doing it from the corner as well. So I, I, I wouldn't do this trade because it disrupts, you know, disrupts chemistry as well throughout the season. Um, even the offseason, I wouldn't do it. But everyone says that, you know, it's because he's a massive offensive threat and things like that. And yes, I understand that you can never have too much offense on a team when you're looking to, to, you know, when you have t- uh, title aspirations, but I'm, I'm a, a guy that really just like is a big believer in developing the home talent that we have and making them good enough to do what we need them to do. So Tyler for me is a player that can eventually be like a Bradley Bill. Um, and hopefully he's got the same loyalty as a Bradley Bill, but it's, it's yeah, I, I'm not taking this trade now. But I understand why that's a team, you know, the Heat would look towards a trade like that if it ever was to come to fruition. Right. And how about you, Brian? Yeah, I'm doing that deal 100 times out of 100. Uh, look, Tyler Hero has played very, very well this season. I think that he should be in the all-star conversation for sure. But as Chef Trilly put it, he's statistically like the worst isolation scorer in the league. Like he's just not – again, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But the 20 points per game on, what, 43% shooting, I don't think his true shooting or his effective field goal percentage are super, like, I, I don't know. When we're, comparing, when we're comparing Tyler to a guy of the caliber of Bradley Beal, you would expect, those, or you would hope that those numbers would be in the same ballpark, and they're just not. Um, I, like, I, I want to be careful and not get anybody mad. By Tyler Hero taste, but uh, he's played 
very well for a guy who has the luxury of playing off of Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler. Like, I think that if you put Bradley Beal in that same position and you had guys like, and you had, you know, Jimmy drawing attention inside and kicking out to Beal for a wide open three from literally anywhere on the court, man, he would be, he would explode. Like this guy, this guy averaged 30 last season on with an effective field goal percentage of hold on am i looking at his effective Tyler's effective field goal percentage just isn't what you would expect out of a guy if you're putting him in that bradley beal conversation like last season bradley beal averaged 30 points and had a true shooting percentage of 59 percent that is absolutely insane on high usage like not only that but he had absolutely nobody else i mean he said russell westbrook but He's not drawing a ton of defensive attention these days. Uh, yeah, he had, like, to be the primary offensive option on a team and be that efficient is absolutely insane. Like, if you give Bradley Beal the type of shot creators and offensive weapons that Bam, Kyle, and uh, Jimmy are to take away the attention of the defense, like, that would be, oh, my God. Like, I think that Bradley Beal would absolutely lead the league in scoring. He might be in the MVP conversation. If, if we're talking about a one or two seed in Miami Heat, the Bradley Beal average an efficient 30-plus, like, that would be crazy. I Again, Tyler is very, very good. But Bradley Beal is at this next level of, of great almost. Um, and I just think that you have to make that trade all day long. Like, the game is about getting stars. And, you know, I get, I get that losing T or – TJ losing PJ would be a, a huge, you know, hole in the front court. But you can find role plays like they find role plays every season, every single season. Um, Duncan, his you know his production can basically be replaced by Max Truce. Uh, but yeah, man, I just don't see how you don't make that trade. Like I, I just think you have to. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at this this trade, and I'm looking at. I understand what you're saying about Bradley Beal. This is an extremely high, you know, high efficiency scorer. He, he does what he does on high usage, um, but there's problems with that, in my opinion. When you're looking at a guy that's 28 years old, he's entering the statistical prime of his career, um, and you put his numbers next to a 23, 22 year old Tyler Hero. I'm not saying that Tyler's anything like Bradley Beal. Or will be a scorer like him because you know he, he a couple of seasons ago the man averaged damn near thirty one points a game. You know it, it's 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 uncanny that a twenty two year old is basically replicating what Bradley Beal's giving you now on better efficiency on less shots a night, averaging three less points, but at the same time having a ten percent increase in three points like percentage. I know there's there's factors to it that you've got to come you know that that need to come into consideration health and the big, you know, the rotate of the team, big changes in the team, you know, it's not easy to always deal with if you're Bradley Beal. But, you know, the fact that Tyler's doing what he's doing at 22, at, at giving you 21, 5, and 4 off the bench with, on 43% shooting, nearly nearly 40% from three as well, on a be- with better free throw scoring as well. I, I think that that's an asset that down the line, you're going to want to have on your team. And, and, and we're going to look towards the future as well. We're going to look towards the, the bigger picture of a team in 20, you know, 2026, 2027, when Jimmy you know, retires and, and we're looking towards a player, giving, give, having Tyler Hero come into the prime of his career with Bam Adebayo, 
being able to build around them as well is really important. And picking up a 28-year-old Bradley Beal will work for now. And the, the goal's a chip. We all want that. We all just want the championship. I don't care what it costs us 15 years of our future, but if I'm going to have to look at that way, it, it is what it is. You know, it's it, it, it's if it's a trade that people think it should happen, then then I understand why it would happen. But Tyler Hero has just been too good this year to give up. And, not, and, and that's just without factoring in Duncan Robertson, which would be a, a plus to kind of shed his contract, but you're taking on a, a fourth $30 million contract, which, you know, which barely works on paper. But if there's any team that's going to pick up role players around them for the minimum, for the minimum of two-way contracts and train them into giving them the, system, the proficiency in our system that's going to give them the best output, it's our team. I, I think that Pat Riley literally lays these names on Spolster's desk and Spolster's sitting there going, okay, what am I going to do now? He would have seen Caleb Martin's name. He would have looked at the film and been like, all right, I know exactly what to do here. But I'm, um, yeah, look, I'm telling you right now, it's it's going to be a hard pass for me, but I understand why the trade would go through. Right. You know what? And honestly, and Brian, do you have something you want to add? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I understand where you're coming from with it. Like, Tyler Hero has definitely shown a lot of promise. Um and I think that, you know, if it's not for a Bradley Beal type player, I wouldn't do it. But for me, you know, I, again, I look at those 30 year numbers and I say like, well, Andrew Wiggins had a better year than Tyler Hero did. Uh, just statistically had a better year in his 30 year than, you know, uh, Bradley Beal or Tyler Hero even. Or you could like, even if you want to get super crazy, but like you just compare Andrew Wiggins 30 year numbers to Kobe 30 year numbers. Like Andrew Wiggins would have looked like the better player. But on the same token, you know, just because the statistical, just because the numbers show one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that the players of the same caliber, just like, you know, if you do the Andrew Wiggins to Kobe comparison, 30 year Wiggins is still nowhere near as good as 30 year Kobe. And in the same way, I, I feel it's similar for Tyler here and Bradley Bill, where the numbers statistically may look very similar. I mean, CJ McCollum and Tyler Hero basically have the same 30 year numbers, right? Actually, I, I think that those are, pretty two comparable players but i'm the same but you but nobody nobody would say that cj at this point is as good as bradley beal even though if you went to bradley to brad's third year and cj's third year you know the numbers probably look better in favor of cj so i think it just comes down to you know the individual player and situation um like i said i think that you could put beal on the heat right now he his game just takes off to a whole other level um and I think that it, it does put you in a position to win a championship right now. Like, I think that uh, a Lowry, Beal, Jimmy, Bam team with Victor Oladipo coming off the bench, because I guess he wouldn't be in the trade. Like, to me, that that's the best team in the East, real like, by far. Like, I think that they're the favorites to come out and, you know, win it all. So, I mean, I would, I in my opinion, for me personally, I would rather take that now and, you know, have however many years of Jimmy's prime or, or Kyle Lowry, whatever, how long, however long he's going to be in the NBA. Like, you know, you're, you're probably going to be looking at the next three or four years of contention. Um, and then if, if guys flame out, then cool. I mean, you, at least at the very least, you got a championship or two out of it. And that's what it's all about. So that's, that's where I would go. Right. And then George, I'm giving you a quick minute to add, go. Yeah. No, um, <clears throat> 
I don't know if it's from Brian speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm not changing my mind, but I would also, I'd like to add something in favor of the trade as well. Just thinking about it now, this team's had a big problem of, of relying on too many people in too many situations and having too many options at that one time may not be the best course of action, but if you're going to negate, you know, hero's production, which, which hasn't needed to be negated, um, Duncan's production, which has been extremely negatable, um, you know, he's he's a hit or miss type of player, and if I'm going to take away those those factors and replace them with, with Bill, I, I think I might be on that trade now. Train of thought. I just feel like a guy that can give it give you 25, you know, 30 a night, and do it consistently, which he's done in Washington, while adding adding him to a cast of already extremely accomplished, um, you know, defenders and great playmaking. Uh, but like uh, alongside Carl Lowry, I think that would be an exciting team. Right. And now, now it's time to um, quickly steer the pod back on track. So you guys made good points. Um, unfortunately, I just simply don't care enough so, because, and like I said, you guys did bring up good arguments for me. It's like at the end of the day, I know Bill wants to stay in Washington, which is why like, you know, I could care less about this type of stuff, but you know, that it's definitely an interesting argument that both of you guys brought up, you know, if Bill was to be available for trade. Anyways, let's now talk about this in this upcoming game for Miami as they'll be playing the New York Knicks come tomorrow. Well, at least as this pod is being recorded tomorrow. Um, this will be the Heat's first meeting against the Knicks. And as of right now, um, more than likely, Kyle Lowry will be out for this game. Um, as you guys probably know already, he's missed the past few games due to personal reasons. Kyle, if you know you end up listening to this pod, you know prayers up, bro. Hope you get better soon. Dealing whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, and then also Tyler Hero, he looks ready to make his return. Uh, the news is that he is out of protocol, so there's that. And then. Aside from that, really, I mean, what's everyone's expectations on this game for the Heat? And do you guys think the Heat walk away with the win? What's your take, Brian? Uh, yeah, the Knicks aren't good, so I definitely expect them to win. They better win. <laughs> They're the best team in the East. The Knicks are uh, best. They, the Knicks probably best hope for this season is a play-in game. So, yeah, it's going to be an easy dub. Right. How about you, Shay? I expect that we win. That's it. Because the Knicks are trash. Okay. Thank you, Shay. And how about you, George? Yeah, no, I, I'm. I hope to God they'll come away with this victory because there's nothing that, than more than I hate seeing on Twitter than a Knicks victory. And but I really, really, I've got some really good Bing Bong uh, memes that I want to put in chats. I want to put in <laughs> in servers and stuff. I really want to start putting them around. So. Bing bong tweets are coming, uh, but I, I just want to see the Heat take care of opponents that we need to take care about. You know, to, we, we, we know what we're capable of. We know what they're not capable of. And for a team that's struggling to be in a playing position, I hope to God that we win. But, you know, I, I, I really just hope we go in there and take care of business. I don't want, I don't want any pissy four-point win, three-point win. I want to see a solid double-digit double, double digit performance. I want to see Bam be aggressive against you know a team with um, minimal interior defense, and I want to see our, our you know our defenders do what they do. 
and lock down those players. But you know, if we can if we can negate what Barrett's doing, and I've been a big hater on uh, on on Barrett, but only because the uh, the comparison to Tyler Hero. But he's coming to his own this season, and it's really really impressive to see. Jul- uh, Julius has been, you know, productive and and okay, but he has his games where he just uh, he looks like a a tenth man on the rotation. So. I, I expect a heat win, you know, and, and I really, 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 really want to see one. Right. For me personally, I also see the heat winning this game, you know, New York, they're definitely nowhere near the team they were last year. And even last year's team wasn't really that good. I mean, let's just say the facts how it is. And, you know, I expect the Heat to get the win. I want Bam to just basically own Julius Randle, especially because I'm still kind of pissed at Knicks fans for having the audacity to say that this man, Julius Randle, was better than Chris Bosh. Like, nah, y'all got to face jail time for that. But, you know, I expect the Heat to win. And, you know, with Tyler playing, you know, I expect him to have a good game, you know, coming out of protocols and stuff. So, yeah, that that's my call. I have the Heat winning it. Aside from that, I feel like we covered so much on today's episode that before we close it out, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Joe, wait, Joe. What? What's up? Um, never mind. (laughs) So, another. So basically, we covered so much on today's episode that before we close it out. I want to thank you all for tuning in. And if you want more Heat vs. the World content, go ahead and follow our Twitter and Instagram page at HBTW Podcast while checking out our new website at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com. Last but not least, make sure to check out Culture Shock, the Heat vs. the World's newest extension show, which is the first Miami Heat pod to feature an all-women cast, as they'll be dropping a new episode very soon. So aside from that, once again, thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast, and we'll see you guys soon with another episode. We out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.